Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. And so this uh, series here is about finding, going back to your first love, finding your edge, and in, in a way is to change, to evolve before the situation is so dire and so desperate that you're forced to change. So a lot of us, unfortunately, wait till we're scratching the bottom of the barrel. We're, we, we're, we're, we're procrastinators. Uh, we, like, we have dense uh, spirits and heads. And most of us are, are disinclined to embrace change or evolution, uh, evolving, if you will, to evolving unless we're forced to. And uh, so let's change. Let's embrace that, uh, that spirit of change before we have to. So Find Your Edge is the series Change. Uh, before you have to. So what does that change call you to do? Something different. Because if you and I keep repeating what our normal process, our habits have taken us, what our routine is, then you and I are, are, have found already your comfort zone. Everybody already here, you're functioning for the most part uh, within your comfort zone, within your skill sets. There's, if you're not reading a book, if God is not pressing you, if you're not under some kind of divine mandate, if you're not uh, find yourself in the potter's wheel, if you don't find yourself broken, then you find yourself in a comfort zone. Comfort zone is very dangerous for all of us, pastors, preachers, uh, parishioners, everybody. Relationships, marriage, uh, marriages that are just kind of uh, hovering and just kind of going through your cadence without anything. There's, there's no new pressing dynamic movement that is pressing you, that is having you bend a knee, bow your hearts, uh, look to God, uh, like, like go to the next level um, and change your mind, your mindset, your habits, your practices. And that's what this is going to en engage is, is hopefully um, lead us to that next step. Most of us have uphill hopes. Like you want to scale, huh? you want a better platform, you want a better home, you want a better relationship, you want a better marriage, uh, you want a better job, a better profession, better vocation. But most of us, the vast majority, have downhill habits. I'm going to say that again. Your desires are right on. Uh, you know that you want something more out of life. You want something more out of yourself, something more from God, something more from your church. So we have uphill uh, expectations, uphill hopes. But most of us have downhill habits. So here's your expectations. Here's how your style, your lifestyle, your level of discipline, uh, and your level of, of just having a plan, a plan that we're going to talk about. How do you move from hopes uh, to habits? And so that the habits are in line with your giftings and with God's plan and with God's word for your life. That's what we're going to embrace here today. I'm going to just repeat this one more time. Find your edge, change, evolve, embrace uh, something new, something that presses you, something that breaks you, something that leads you to the next level uh, through like people that do, uh, you know, a muscle building. It's resistance. You have to find your limits and challenge your limits versus embracing your comfort zones. So what does that change evolve or, or sound or look like? Last week, the pastor spoke about uh, our first habit would be to put God first to kind of reprioritize God in your life and, and place him where he belongs. The fact that you're here, that's one of those things, one of those steps is God is first. 
And, and he should be first, not just in the way we speak. That we're not, in other words, we just can't give God lip service. And he can't be just first in your mental ascension, what's called mental ascension, that right here you know he's first. But in your heart and in practice, uh, how, what you practice is, is very distant from what you believe uh, and what you know is to be the case. So God should be first in those, in, in those three areas, three R's, your relationships, your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with those that God has put in your inner circle. That means your marriage, your kids, and those that God has put to orbit your, your confidence, your keeping, and your, the gifts that God has given you. Relationships, relationships, relationships. Uh, God should be first, and your resources, your time. So time is your most valuable of all resources. Secondly, the talents that God has given you. Everybody here has gifts, everybody. But the gifts that you don't use, you lose. So if you're not using your gifts, if you're not saying yes to God and, and, and involving your gifts in a spiritual, something that, that scales for eternity. So all of us can do things to build your, your portfolio. You can build your bank account. You can build you know, your capacity to be admired uh, and looked toward. Uh, maybe you can build your future. But if you're not engaged in something that is connected to eternity, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean a hill of beans uh, if it's not connected to eternity. So, so you've got to just not only your time, but those gifts that God has given you. You can't bury them. You can't use excuses. We're all really good at projecting, creating really great excuses um, that you're too busy or et cetera, et cetera. Like, like the one that got the, um, the, the tale where a parable where he hid the talent instead of engaging and, and negotiating uh, and working those talents. So your time, your talent, your treasure. So put God first in, in your giving. Um, and it's, I would actually challenge you to go beyond just the tithe or the giving. Uh, look for causes. Look for a mission. Uh, look for a purpose for those for your monetary blessings to go further in, in making a difference in the kingdom. So I'm going to say this one more time. Putting God first in your relationships, your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself. So if you're not growing, if you're not getting healthy, if you don't love yourself, honor yourself, respect yourself, expect more of yourself without without. Uh, uh, putting pressure without the wrong kind of pressure, like perfectionism. There's a lot of us that, or some of you that are perfectionists and you are not at peace. Nothing is ever good enough. You're not ever good enough. No one around you is good enough. And that is, that is a, a really, um, that, that doesn't scale. It, it leads to brokenness. There's people here that you're a go-getter. You're a go-getter and everybody around you has to line up to your expectations. I feel sorry for you. And everybody that, that lives around you, that lives with you, uh, because perfectionists, uh, people that are perfectionists, that pride it goes before them. It's all mostly about pride. It's mostly about hustle. And it's mostly about uh, finding your emptiness, your voidness, your void in your heart. You're trying to give it meaning uh, by, by living to a standard that is impossible to live outside of the grace of God. So everybody here is a sinner, period except for the grace of God. So it's the grace of God that gives you and me the ability to morph, to shift, to grow, to go to the next level. If not, you and I are in trouble. So relationships with God, with yourself, honoring those relationships that are around you. How can you build those relationships? How can you help people around you grow? Especially our wives, our husbands, our kids. So if you don't have a plan, there is no plan. So if you're just trusting that God is going to have mercy on our kids, he will somehow. Uh, but that doesn't mean that, that you, they're under your tutelage. They're under your guidance, especially as parents. And I'm a, a parent and I thank God for it. But it, it could be kind of routine. It could kind of, we can get spiritually lazy. 
And I can tell you that our parents, my parents, they were not spiritually lazy. Uh, they were like God was first, period, in everything they did. And at home, God was first. And at church, God was first. At school, God was first. Uh, and I want to just encourage you. Relationships, those that God has put around you. Resources, time, talent, treasure. And then your temple. What can you do this year to, to take care of the temple of, of the Holy Spirit? The Bible says that he that defies the temple shall be destroyed by God. That your temple, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That do not defy your temple. Don't, don't take it to places. Don't do things that you know that in your heart of hearts, it does not uh, please God's uh, heart with respect to how you treat yourself, how you live, your exercise, your diet, what you imbibe, what you do. Just, just treat your temple like, it, like what God says. It is your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it is sacred. How many say amen? So your time, your talent, your treasure, your temple, your testimony, that's your reputation. That's uh, your testimony matters to God. As a matter of fact, it's so important that they, that they overcame, the Bible says in, in Revelations, by the blood of the Lamb and by the testimony of the saints. Your testimony matters. Your, what people say and, and think about you, especially in terms of your character. Your character, are you a person of your word? So build on that. Be a person of your word. Uh, know that your testimony, your character, your reputation matters. And not what people think about you, but what God knows about you. And that if you walk in accordance to God's uh, principles, uh, others will sense and see it. And then the last uh, T, time, talent, treasure, uh, your te temple, your testimony, be a steward of your tongue. Life and death is in the tongue. How many say amen? I'm talking about putting God first. Life and death. You can bless others. You can encourage others. Or with your tongue, you can be sarcastic. Uh, you, can be, uh, you, can be, you can be someone who always has a, a, you know, um, a negative. Uh, your kids, you know, you're always making fun of, of situations, of people. Because sarcasm is a way to hide uh, somebody who's insecure, by the way. Sarcasm is a way to put somebody down. Uh, instead of blessing and encouraging, uh, I thank God for my dad and my mom. My dad was a blesser. My dad, was, my dad didn't meet a person that he didn't compliment. And my dad complimented that person genuinely. And so I'd like for you to, to just embrace. Those are, those are some thoughts I wanted just in putting God first. Your resources, your relationships, your resources, excuse me, your relationships, your resources, and then your responsibilities, you put God first. Now I want to talk about uh, controlling my thought life. The word control is a kind of like a misnomer. How can I guide my thoughts? How can I equip my mind? How can I teach? How can I reprogram my mind? How can I, how, how can I go from this mindset? Uh, because as a man thinks, whatever you think, whatever your mind is, that's what you are. In essence, you cannot separate your identity from your mind. The way you think, what you think uh, about God, about yourself, about others, about God's church, about God's mind, what you think um, determines who you are. And you cannot separate your thinking from your identity and from your feelings, as we're going to talk, your sentiments, your feelings, and then your behaviors follow emotions. Your emotions are followed uh, most of the time by behaviors. So Paul says in and, uh, Romans 12, um, 2, I'm, using, I'm going to use a couple of different versions. So do not conform, do not get molded to the pattern of this world or this culture but be transformed, be transformed. This, this, this metamorphosis, this transformation. I was in high school. Um, I was the principal of Cesar Chavez at the time. So we were given a book that's uh, entitled Transformation. That's what was the title, Transformation. And then it said Change or Die. The subtitle was Change or Die. 
Um, and we were just talking about, hey, an institution, a school, uh, somebody that does not uh, evolve dies. You know, about, you know, species that, were, that are in, uh, you know, extinct, uh, companies that lived and had their heyday and died, um, um, that um, codex, et cetera. Just where I was reading. And as I was reading, I turned the page. I've shared this. My, this is a testimony of what God used to, to really help me go to the next level, even in ministry. And as I turned the page, I saw two images, two pictures, um, uh, caricatures. It was one of a, of a butterfly and a, and a caterpillar. And they were face to face. The caterpillar was arched as high as it can go like this from the ground. And the butterfly, the butterfly was fluttering as low as it could flutter, nose to nose. And there was a, a tear running down the eye of the caterpillar. And, and in the caption, it says, please don't leave me. We've been together for so long. Please don't leave me. The caterpillar telling the butterfly. That's what a member does to a church. That's what a wife does to a, a, a husband that doesn't evolve, doesn't grow, or vice versa. That's what kids do with parents. Because it's not about age. Hey, dad, I'm going to leave you. No, it's possible for the, 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 the family to grow. Kids get married, but they still see the father, the mother as a spiritual center of gravity of the home. How many say Amen. This is not about, a, so, so the butterfly says, but I've changed. He says in the next caption, I've changed. I can no longer drag myself through life. I have wings. I must fly. I'll say that again. I can no longer drag myself through life for all you, I was going to say caterpillars, but I didn't. I held back because I have a lot of discipline when I speak. Oh, I'm so disciplined. But, but there's a lot of us that, that your evolution has been so slow that you've been in church for a long time. What have you done differently? Where have you, where are you aware? Have you, uh, do you have spiritual conscientiousness? Do you have a, a God mindset that you know that you're not the same you were last year or the year before? I'm afraid that some of us have devolved, not evolved. We've devolved and, and we were less spiritual. We're less disciplined. We're less mindful. We're less engaged. Uh, we're less available to God. Uh, we've found reason, excuses uh, for why we let fear, what people are going to say or think, or even your own uh, fo foibles, your own foibles, your own fa uh, faltering, your, your shortcomings. And we use that as, as an excuse. Hey, I'm not in condition. I'm not in good shape right now spiritually. Uh, God wouldn't want me to serve. Let me tell you something. If you're not going to, God wants you to serve in any condition that you are. God wants you to say yes to God because it, 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 the, the, a lot of us, when we say no to God, that is exactly what the enemy would like for you to do is disengage. And when you disengage, terrible things happen spiritually to most of us. And I want to go back one more time. So when I saw that image and I saw this, this, this butterfly evolving and then the next caption, it was flying away and that caterpillar went back to just crawling. And I closed the door of that principal's office at Cesar Chavez High School. I closed the door. I got into a corner with my, with my chair where I, they couldn't see, just in a corner. And I just knelt down and I began to weep and to tell God, just ask God, please change me. Please change me. Don't let confirmism. Don't let just the spirit of just, I'm okay, I'm good. It was right about the time where I felt like, man, I could be a principal. I'm good. I made it. And the Holy Spirit comes and rattles my life and just begins to, to put a spirit of excellence, of, of do not be conformed. Don't settle. Don't get molded by this, by this world, by your accomplishments, uh, and or even by your needs. Don't panic, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you will be able to, to test and approve what God's will is. I mean, there's not one person here that wouldn't right now give everything you've got if you just knew what God's will is for your life. Pastor, I just want to know what God's will is. That, that it's not as difficult. It's not a mystery. God is not withholding it. God's will is for you to love him, for you to serve him, for you to say yes for you to be led by the Spirit of God, for you to be engaged, for you to find a church, for you to find a place, for you to find a ministry, for you to do, for you to make a difference in the kingdom of God. That's what God will is. God wants to bless you, but not for the blessings to be contained. He wants to bless you to flow through those blessings through you. So everything God has put, every, every skill set, every ability, uh, every power God has given you, and everybody here has powers. You have power, you have authority, you have gifts. You have a skill set. You're good for something. You good for nothing? That's a, I just I grew up hearing that word all the time, and it took me a long time. Now. So what is his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will? Watch this. The same verse, just different. The the message, the message. So fix your attention on God. So back, fix your attention. So how how are we going to grow? Then you'll be changed from the inside out. So God wants to change you right here. So we say, hey, God, God, come into my heart. The, the heart literally is an organ, just like the lungs and the, and the, the, the liver. So the heart, we say it because that's where the, the, the embodiment, the embodiment of what we call our emotions, our spirit, and our mind, they reside right here. But we feel it for whatever reason here. We take things to heart. But I'll say that again. This is just an organ. Your mind is where your heart, your spirit, and your soul, your feelings uh, and your intellect, where, why you ponder and, and why you wonder and why you wander is, is in the mind, that everything begins in the mind. And that's why he says, by the renewing, by the renewing of your mind, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed or transformed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and then be quick uh, to respond to it. And unlike the culture that is around you, always dragging you down, wanting you to drag yourself like a caterpillar uh, to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops a well-formed maturity in you. That's what God wants to do in your life. That's what transformation, growing, evolving means. How many say amen? So there's a Proverbs in Ecclesiastes 10.2 that says that wise thinking... So wisdom leads to right living. Wisdom, wise thinking, lives or, or leads to like, the right kind of living. The living, the kind of lifestyle that scales. Relationships are healthy. Um, your, your spiritual identity is crystal clear. You have a sense of where you're going. You have a sense of where God has brought you from. There's gratitude for where he's brought, it, brought you from. And there's excitement uh, around the bend. You sense that God is up to something. And it's not just, uh, you know, just routine. It's just like, okay, uh, just let's go a whole hum what's normal. And that's what I sense that God is trying to say to all of us. But stupid thinking or wrong thinking leads to wrong living. So, so thinking, the idea of wisdom or, or thinking is, is, the, is, is you're either going to scale because your thoughts are right or in line with God. If your thoughts are wrong, then nothing you do, it doesn't matter because uh, there is a direct correlation between thinking and outcomes. Thinking and outcomes. The Bible says that as a man thinks, as a man thinks, for as a man thinks, the way he thinks, how he thinks, uh, that's what he is. You cannot separate the way or who and how you think. 
the manner of your thought process from who you are, your identity and your thinking are one in the same according to scripture. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, and I love this. I heard it from, uh, uh, from Charles Swindoll many years ago. I heard it in the radio as he was speaking on one of his messages and I wrote it down. I never forgot it. And we were preparing this message. It came to my mind. I know it by memory. I know it by heart. Uh, that if you sow a thought, that everything, by the way, everything belongs with, be, starts with a thought. Yeah. You, you don't do one thing, not one thing. You haven't built thing. You, haven't, you don't have a career. You have nothing that didn't begin first right here. Yeah. A thought. Like what if? An idea. And then it formulated. So he says, sow a thought. And then you're going to reap an action, action. Good or bad. Sooner or later. If you're thinking of maybe taking something that's not yours, just think about it long enough. And at the right moment... Uh, you know, you're going to take something that's not yours. You're going to say something that you shouldn't have said. Just, just think about it. Just, just harbor emotions. Just think a thought. And then pretty soon you're, you're going to reap. The outcome is going to be an action. And then sow that action. Just keep saying it, sowing it over and over. And then you're going to reap a habit. No ifs, no ands, no buts. You cannot sap- separate. Well, what is a habit? Something you do routinely over and over. And it becomes ingrained. It becomes second nature. It becomes your habit. And then if you sow a habit, you're going to reap a character. Uh, the way you are. It's just, you're, 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 you, you speak in untruths. You're an exaggerator. You're a liar. You're a cheater. You're a thief. You're righteous. You're a good man. You're a good woman. You're a good father. It, it all has to do with character. It has to do with those parameters, those moral compasses that you either have because you fear God or there is no moral compass. And then you're, you're living relativism. Just, just whatever you can justify. And that's where most people, even Christians, that's where they, they traffic in that area of relativism. You can, you can justify almost anything. Just give yourself enough time. So sow a thought, you reap an action. Sow an action, you reap a, a habit. Sow habits and you reap character, and then sow a character, and then you're going to reap your tu destino. Right? The, the way you say it in Hebrew is destino. Right? It's Hebrew. I, I'm deep in Hebrew, destino. Right? I was going to say, say it with me, but it's just a fake. Uh, it's fake bilingualism. Uh, your destiny, your future. That's it. And then unfortunately, it's not just yours. It's everybody that God, that everybody that, that revolves, everyone that orbits your life, your, your confidence, your care, and your keeping. Everybody under your sphere of influence uh, is affected by your destiny. And dad or mom, if you're not scaling, if you're not going, if you're not growing, young man, young lady, if you're not like, like in your heart saying, I need God, I need direction. Uh, I, I can't be, um, 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 what is, uh, intoxicated with this world. I've got a bit, I got to get sober. I mean, some of you literally, but, but I'm talking figuratively for most of us. Thank you. Uh, I saw a couple of you guys walking in kind of tipsy already. It's just, just in Jesus' name, I want to pray for you. I'm kidding. Uh, no, I do. I'm not kidding. No, yes, I am. Uh, but you need to get real. You need to get real, real fast and then sober about life. You're 16, 17, 18, 20, 21, 25, 30, and you're still like wondering exactly what you're going to be or do. You, you need a, like a coming to Jesus and you say, hey, what am I created for? Like, and not because you have pressure or self-imposed pressure, because God has a plan. That's why. Because God didn't create you just for you to subsist or exist. Because God wants to take you somewhere that has an actual meaning for your life to count and for it to count for eternity. Because as a man thinks in his heart, in his mind, so is he. 
So let's, in your outlines real quickly, if you guys want to just follow the outline here, I think it'll edify you. This is a powerful outline that I think it'll help all of us. The first thing that in your outline um, is that everything begins with a thought. So everything begins with your thought life, if, if you will. You can put thought life because it's not just one thought. It's the series of thoughts that are interconnected, that are interlinked. Like one thought leads to another, good or bad, pristine, pure or ugly. Um, but, but thoughts are what rules the day. At the end of the day, you can't escape your thought life. You are what your thought life says you are. So the same verse, different version, NLT, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Don't get engaged in trying to compete, compare, and then complain with somebody else about somebody else. But let God, here it is, metamorphosize you, metamorphosize you. Let him, let him change you into a new person, a better person, a more righteous, more Christ-like person by changing the way you think, by changing the processes, the conditioning, the source code, if you will, the programming of your mind. That's it. Pastor, what do I need? You need an encounter with God, and then you need to ask God to change your way of thinking. How many say amen? You need to recognize God. You need to reverence God, and you need to say, God, I want to bring my mind subject to your to your spiritual oversight, and I want you to override my stinking thinking, right? I want, you to, I want you to reprogram this mind because the way I've been brought up, the way I've been taught, the way I've gotten comfortable, used to, the way I am, the way I speak, who I, who I traffic with, I need you to change my mind because unless your mind is changed for the better, nothing else will change, I promise you. Amen. Because the mind is, is where the control room, it's the control center of your life and your future. Um, so the second thought there in your outline is what we think determines how we feel. What we think determines how we feel. So let me just say this. None of us, your thoughts come first, then your sentiments or your emotions, your feelings come next. So it's not feelings and then thoughts. Uh, there's a point where they're inner, they swim, they're together, they're in, they're inner, they intermingle. But at the, at the bottom, at the end of the day, it's the thought. When you wake up, you're either all of a sudden your first thought, what is, what's your first thought? For me, it's like, thank you, Jesus. When, when, when I wake up, I immediately connect with my heavenly father. I immediately say, God, thank you very much. God, this day, thank you for your mercies. I'm there getting up, waking up, um, you know, getting uh, going. Melinda's here. My, I usually go to the living room. That's my place. That's where I go. I'll take my iPad out if it's cold, but in my house, it's not cold because Linda has it really warm. Uh, I want it cold. Like, like, I don't want to pay a high utility bill. Like, like in the summer, it's really cool and I want it warm. But anyway, that's a different story, right? That's just, would you guys pray for me? Would you guys pray for our marriage? Uh, like my wife here is like saying yes. Like whoever touches, you know, whoever touches that thermostat wins at the end. Whoever touches it at the end in our house, it wins. We don't argue. She's right here. We don't like, hey, whoever touches it at the end wins. And I'm always turning off lights, lowering that thermostat, having kids. Why, why do we have blankets, huh? Why do we have PJs? Why would we want the house at normal temperature if everybody's wearing PJs and we've got blankets? Chale con ese jale. And I, like now I feel the anointing of God, right? Like now I'm, ooh, I get so mad. Um, so, 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 where was, oh yeah. Thank you. I, I, it took me a while. I got off totally off, like, like that was a tangent. That was totally a rabbit hole. So, 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 so first thoughts, and then comes emotions. 
And if, you're, if your emotions are toxic, if your thoughts are negative, your emotions are, are toxic. And then all of a sudden you're in a bad mood. So when I wake up in the morning, it's thank you, Jesus. Thank you. This is the day that the Lord has made. I decide, I choose to right, rejoice and be glad and rejoice in it. Be glad and rejoice. You decide. You said you're, the, you're either a thermostat or a thermometer. Everybody here. There's only two kinds of people. You're either a thermometer, that, that you, everything rises and goes up and down based on what's around you. Or you're the thermostat. You regulate your attitude, your mindset. You regulate already how you're going to face that day. Yes, there is crisis. Yes, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. Amen. Things are getting worse. I agree with you. But that doesn't mean that they have to be worse in your life or in your heart or in your family or in your house or in this church. Uh, you set the temperature. You're the leader. Mom and dad. You say, hey, guys, you know, and you set the mood. Uh, if not, everybody's melancholy. Everybody. Hey, by the way, sadness is contagious. Uh, depression is contagious. Yeah, yeah, just this, all this lull, you know, just this, all this, this moping and, and groping and complaining. Uh, that is like, that is contagious, just like joy is contagious. Uh, laughter is contagious. Uh, happiness, uh, this is the day that the Lord will, is made. I will be glad and I will rejoice, and everybody else around me better rejoice as well, or is not, if, oh, if not, I will get mad. So, so here you go. So, watch this. This is just. I want to just go to the next level. So your feelings, your, your thoughts affect, infect, direct, uh, control your feelings, your thoughts. And then your feelings, your behavior. So your feelings, the, your behavior is really an extension of what your thoughts and what your, what your feelings are. Your behavior is an extension of your thoughts and your feelings, your sentiments, your emotions. If you're feeling happy, joyful, you're going to do great things. If you're feeling motivated, motivated because your thoughts are, man, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to finish college. Uh, uh, I'm going to work this out. I'm going to sort this out. I'm going to do my study. I'm going to do my diligence. And then you watch those feelings uh, will line up those emotions with your thoughts and with your behaviors, with your actions. And then uh, finally, my brothers, whatever is true. So, Pastor, how do I gauge, how do I calibrate my feelings, my feelings, my thought life? So whatever is true, uh, whatever is noble, whatever is right, if it's right, do it. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There's another version that says dwell, meditate, camp. Uh, on any of these virtues, on any of these truths, um, think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Um, and, and the same um, scripture here speaks about the peace of God, uh, just overlapping your life, just encompassing. And then our thoughts determine our destiny. Our thoughts determine our destiny. So those who are dominated by a sinful nature because of the way you think, sinful nature, think about sinful things. So those that lead or allow your heart, your mind to dwell, oh, let your flesh basically take control of your thinking. Uh, that sinful nature uh, will, you know, will lead you to sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Holy Spirit. So who is in charge of your spirit, of your mind? Who's in charge? At the end of the day, if the Holy Spirit, if you ask the Holy Spirit to overdrive, to take over, if you will, to, to, to just be 
um, your superintendent of your mind to help gauge, guide, uh, and and help you uh, move toward a a spiritual, healthy, balanced way of thinking. Um, And then if your sinful uh, nature controls your mind, there is death. It will be the death of you, the death of your relationships, the death of everything that God has for you. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. There is life and peace. Nothing is greater than having life with peace and peace with, the, with your life. So there is life and peace. Nothing. So you can't buy peace. Peace is the reward that God gives those that walk in obedience. Those that embrace and follow the Spirit. Those that, that embrace what, those things that are lovely. Those things that are pure, noble, admirable. Uh, those that, that dwell and think about those things. So I want to just bring this to closure. So mastering your thought life leads to a godly and life-giving uh, habits. So when you master your thought life, when you ask the Holy Spirit to take control, to help you govern your mind, to help you reprogram, recondition, override your mind the way you think. If you give him permission, the Holy Spirit change, change me from the, from the inside out. So something happens where your thought life will lead to having to leading a lifestyle that glorifies God. It will lead to a lifestyle that is both godly and life-giving or life-changing habits. So for that, you need to find a plan to control my thoughts. So I need, if I'm going to do this, this is the objective, then I'm going to ask God to help me find a plan to control, to engineer, recalibrate my, my, my thoughts. To how do I control? And I'm not talking about mind control. It's it's a strong word. I, we struggle with what word to use here. But but to direct your your thoughts, to redirect, to engineer, to calibrate, to weigh, to filter my thoughts. Uh, the hint here is that the Word of God is the is the source code. Uh, I many many moons ago I went to BC. I'm going to share two thoughts BC. And so I went into um, they they would uh, engineering. Uh, uh, business and they, they way that there was a language computer cobalt and what's the other um, cobalt language another anyway there's just a language that you use to, to to program computers and I didn't like it at all you know I was like nope um, you know I'm going to look for a church that pays me a lot of money and that's what I'm going to do never mind about going out there and get a real job Thank you. There's one person that thought that was funny. Everybody else like thinks it's true. Uh, like, yikes. Um, but the, the word of God is the source code to reprogram and transform my way of thinking. How many say amen? So watch what Hebrews says. For the word of God is living and active, uh, sharper than any uh, double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of the soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges, it governs, it rules like a judge. It gives direction. A judge gives you orders. That's what it does. It judges and tells what what you're going to think. And it just doesn't discern. It judges. It gives direction. The word there, it governs your thoughts and your attitudes of your heart. Uh, So you find a plan. So for us, we're doing a 21-day plan, but... I'd like for you to find a plan, a reading plan, one that is going to build your mind with the word of God. At the end of the day, um, Jesus says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, that comes out of the mouth of God. You just, just uh, So you need a plan that has a reading plan of the word of God. You need a plan to read books 
The, the Bible should be your main text. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Every believer should have a reading plan. Uh, Linda, God put in her heart to do a, a reading plan for our kids. Every kid out there has a plan. It's called a, the 555. Five minutes a day or, or, or a chapter. Um, five weeks. You want to talk about it? Oh my goodness. So every parent that is here. So here it is. It's, it's, a, it's a New Testament reading plan for, for 2023. It's powerful. We're doing it in our home. And I'm telling you, it's powerful. Our kids like our, I've got two or three kids that are way ahead because they're, they're show-offs like their dad. Okay? They're show-offs. And then the, the other two, like they're their mom. They're humble and, and they're just, the, but, but in here, take this with you. It's, it's five minutes or a chapter a day. It's, um, it's uh, five days a week so that Friday, uh, Saturday and Sunday, we have it off. So the kids, it's a cycle. And then there's five ways to put what they've read into practice. Five ways. Memorization, think about it, you know, um, journal. Thank you, hon. And, and so my point is, what's your plan? So without a plan, there's no plan. So without a plan, ¿qué vas a hacer? ¿A qué le tiras? See, now I'm speaking Greek. Uh, yeah? like, like, ¿a dónde vas? Without a plan. So everybody needs a plan. And, and make the Word of God your central, yeah? your, your home central. Make it central. And number two, everybody needs a place to fix and focus your thoughts. So everybody needs to find a place. I, to, for me, for us, it's my living room. I go there usually five o'clock in the morning, spend an hour reading, uh, praying, meditating, just focusing my thoughts, uh, aligning my thoughts with God's thoughts. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to lead the day, guide me, um, in all the impurities. I, this is one of my prayers, by the way, to, for God to uproot, desenraiza todo orgullo, uproot every spirit of pride, you know, every, every spirit of arrogance. God, would you uproot anything that is not from you, from my heart? I don't want it living there. I don't want it in my mind. And I just spend time in the presence of God for him to purge me, cleanse me in, by his presence, by his word, by his spirit, by his blood. How many say amen? So a lot of it is detoxing. It's just like, like everything, all the past, whatever has happened, whoever said things for you to filter them, put them in their proper place, and you need to find not only a plan, find a place that you say, this is where I routinely meet with God to fix and focus my thoughts. Um, um, Isaiah 28.3 says that he will keep in perfect peace. God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So you will keep in perfect peace. Doesn't matter what's happening, who says what, what's going on. Perfect peace. For those who trust you. And those who um, spend time with you in essence. Those who have their thoughts fixed on you. How many say amen? So one of the ways to keep your thoughts fixed on Christ is through, through prayer. So notice that when Jesus talks to, in Matthew to his disciples and the, the, the Pharisees. He doesn't say if you pray. Like when you decide, no, no, if you pray, but when you pray, when you pray. Uh, so when you pray, go into your what place? Your closet. So everybody needs a place to fix your thoughts, to focus on the, on the, on the things from above and, and to have not only a plan or reading plan, but a, a place for prayer and meditation and focusing. How many say amen? When you pray, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then, he, then your father who sees what you've done in secret 
will reward you publicly. How many say amen? So uh, Paul says to the Colossians, so, so think when you're in that place, when, when you find that plan and you, you, you find your place, think about the things of above. Meditate. Don't, don't kind of don't let your mind, all of us, our mind wanders naturally, by the way. Don't get frustrated when you're praying, if you're thinking all of a sudden of your list of things to do and you're overwhelmed by anxiety. That's normal. You lose your train of thought. I've been known to praying there in my living room, uh, going for my second nap or my third one. And it's none of your business how many times I sleep, like in the morning. Okay, I just, it's okay. God's not mad, right? At least you went to sleep with the right posture. Okay, you're not with me. Most of you, you've probably never been there. I can sense that that's totally new for you. So think about heavenly things, the things of heaven and not the earthly things. Number three. So number one, you find a plan. Get busy. Find a place. Focus. Fix that place so so that you're focusing your mind. So you find a plan to to basically edify your, your mind, your thoughts. You find a place to fix and focus your thoughts. Meditate. Get them in order. And then find a person or persons to stretch my thoughts, to stretch my thinking. Um, We call them life groups. So in February, we're launching life groups for young men, young ladies, uh, high school, um, junior high, college and career, uh, adults, women, men, relationships, marriage, um, uh, um, uh, stewardship, the five ships that we call fellowship, stewardship, leadership, um, uh, discipleship. And, and why I'm looking at you, I don't know, because you're like totally lost. So all five ships, right? Five ships, fellowship, discipleship, leadership, stewardship, and something else, another ship out there. Help me, rescue me, rescue me from this incredible message. So, so all of us need persons. We call it just life together. It's better together. We call them life groups. You need friends. You need a family that'll help you stretch. That you'll get into deeper thinking. Like, what are you doing? And how are you growing? And all of a sudden, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron, right? Iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. Um, the Bible says in, in the Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. It's not in my notes. Chapter 23, verse 7, that he that walks with wise men, wise people, becomes wise. So he that walks with wise people, like people that know more than you do in certain areas, man, all of a sudden your acumen, your your level of intelligence, your your prowess, your confidence just, just goes up to the next level because all of a sudden somebody's done it before. Somebody's been there. Somebody's succeeding at something. And uh, um, so that's what we, I want to encourage you. Um, so it says, those that walk with foolish people um, will, become, um, will become undone. No calamity will overcome them. Those that walk with fools, that's what it says. They, they will be overcome by calamity. Um, so let us think of ways to motivate one another. This is one another, to act in love and in good works. Let us not neglect uh, our meeting place, like coming to church as some people do, or a life group, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return draws near. Real quickly, here you go, help me find a purpose. So you find a a plan, you find a place, um, and you find a persons or persons. So you find a purpose to refocus your thoughts, a focus, a purpose. So for me, many years ago, I was in a service like this. The pastor was speaking on Samuel, and I just, 
God called me that day. I didn't want to be a minister. I didn't want to be a pastor. I really, really, in my heart of hearts, that was the last thing I wanted. Um, but, but that day I understood that God was calling me. I fought it for about three months, maybe six months, with everything I had. When I got exhausted, when I got tired of fighting God, and I really thought that, that a calling to the ministry was really the way I paid for my uh, sins of the youth. I really felt that that was my sentence for life. It was like a, a sentence, right? And instead of going to jail, I got ministry. I know it sounds funny, and it is, but that's the way I saw it. I said, Nimodo, this is what God wants for my life. Every pastor I knew was poor. Every pastor I knew was poorly talked about, criticized, but, but every pastor. And, and why would I want that, right? So, so I just, but at the end of the day, I said, God, I can't resist you anymore. I don't know what you're gonna do. I don't know where you're gonna take me, but I'll say yes, I'll say yes. And in that process, God has surprised me every step of the way. Uh, my point is that that purpose focused my thoughts. So even when I was going to college, guys, ladies and gentlemen, I knew that college was part of God's purpose to help me become a better minister, a better pastor one day. Um, so that all of a sudden it gave focus. I refocused my life based on what I sensed was God's purpose for my call. Why? Because a double-minded person is unstable, is unstable, indecisive in all his ways. Um, and the way we do this is Paul says, destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And so we take captive, um, um, you know, rebellious thoughts and we bring them into submission to the obedience of Christ. And then in your, in your outlines, the last is find a power to fuel, find a power to fuel my thoughts. So find a plan, find a place, find a person or persons, uh, find your purpose. Ask God, God, I just want to focus or refocus on the purpose, my thoughts. And then at the end of the day, What's the power? So what's the power? So um, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more above than what we ask or think according to the power that works in us. There's a verse that says according to his power that works actively in us, you can move because he is able to do abundantly exceedingly more and above than what you think or even imagine or even can dare to ask the power of God that works in, in you. And then I can do all things through Christ, all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many say amen? And then some of you just for, for, for a good measure, for good measure, this is the last slide. So what do you need to find your edge? So you need to change the way you think. So if you sow a thought, sow a thought, you reap an action, sow an action and you'll reap a habit. So make your actions good thoughts. Make them good thoughts, you'll reap good actions. Good actions and you'll reap great habits. Uh, so great habits, constructive habits, righteous habits, righteous ones. Reading and praying, coming to church on a Sunday. Uh, and then you'll, you'll inherit, you'll reap character, godly character, the kind of that scales. And then sow that character and then you'll reap your destiny. Would you bow your heads? Would you bow your heads? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives of God. So thank you. Thank you for your presence, oh God. I pray that in the name of Jesus, you are transforming right now. That there's people that are just asking for a new spiritual 
guide, a new spiritual regiment, a new spiritual regiment, an identity, something that will take you closer, draw you closer to the God that is calling you closer to Him. In Jesus' name, if there is uh, unfinished business in your heart with God, so make it right. So bring your heart in submission. Bring your life to submission, in submission to God. So together we can all ask God for forgiveness. For those of you that are here for the first time, for those of you that are not confident that you're born again or you're maybe, you know you're, you're not living right. The Bible says that if you call upon the name of the Lord, just say, Jesus, save me. That was Peter's prayer, by the way. Jesus, save me. Three words. And Jesus uh, stretched out his hand and pulled him out of a water. When he was sinking and, and drowning, um, Jesus, save me. That's all you have to say. That's all you have to ask. Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call unto me and I will answer you, Jeremiah 33 says. And then I will show you things. I will take you places you've never been. And I will show you things that are hidden from you. Call unto me and I will answer you. And I will show you things, mysteries, uh, things that you know not of. And then lastly, for all, all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved those who are saved become children of the living God and you have rights uh, you are seated in heavenly places your gifts all of a sudden become relevant uh, your direction becomes meaningful and your outcomes are connected to eternity in Jesus name in Jesus name thank you so very much for joining us today on the Lifehouse podcast I pray and hope this message has encouraged inspired and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at LifeHouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey that will lead you to know God better, grow together and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.